Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. So many Christians are folding up when we ought to be standing up. That's where we are today in the Gospel of John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. I want to talk to you today about prevailing in persecution. That's where we're at. I think it's a very timely word for where we're at as believers, that we are called to prevail in persecution. Jesus is in the upper room in this portion of Scripture. We've talked about that. He's sharing with his disciples the things that are important to know because he's getting ready to return back to the Father in heaven. And these are his last few hours. The very next day, he will be hanging on the cross. He will be punished and crucified for your sins and mine, and he will be laid in a tomb. What he's about ready to say then is vital information for us and for them in that day. These are the things that are important for us to understand, give thought to, and remember today. Jesus is telling them about loving others. He said, I want you to love others. I want you to love everybody around you. And I want you to continue to abide in me. And here's how you can live for me, because we're in this portion today of how to live for Jesus. And so he wants them to listen. The situation for the true Christian living today in a culture that's prevalent in the worldview that mocks and ridicules the God of the Bible and his precepts for living, and those that stand with Jesus Christ, bravely upholding his word against a turning tide, become targets for persecution. In many nations worldwide today, as you and I are here, the cost of discipleship is death. In nations like Nigeria today, in nations like Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraqi Christians are actively being martyred today. And in our world, persecution takes many different forms. The Christian will be verbally abused and made fun of. The Bible is mocked on television and in blogs on the internet. And many Christians find themselves passed over for promotions or disinvited to social functions or to speak at political events. Christian students face opposition from teachers who reject their submitted assignments if they have Christian content or they fight for a worldview that's inside of the Bible. Some graduate students have been dismissed from programs and forced to take legal action to be reinstated. There is worldwide persecution that is happening against Christians. The word persecution literally means to pursue for hostility or oppression. Persecution comes to those who want to live godly lives. If you just want to be a person who never takes a stand and never witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, then people uh, who profane, profane Christ will, will think, you know what, you're fine. They will pass over you. If you compromise with the world, you will escape persecution. Jesus warns them there in this passage and to us today, persecution will take place. Why? The history of the church is one of martyrdom. Starting with the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But then you go through, and if you were to trace some of the apostles 
There's Peter. He was crucified. He, before he was crucified, they forced him to watch the crucifixion of his wife. And then he said he wasn't worthy to die the same manner as Jesus, so they crucified him at his request upside down. Before him, there was James, the brother of John, was killed with a sword. The execution was done because of his courage and love for Jesus, that his executioner gave his heart to Christ on that spot, and he too was slain. Andrew the brother of Simon Peter, he preached to a Roman governor and his wife, and the wife got saved, and the governor in a fury of rage had him crucified on an X-shaped cross. They not only tied his hands, but they tied his arms and his legs so that he would live a little bit longer, and he preached on that cross, and many were saved. Philip was hung upside down by his feet, and cuts were made on his body, so he would bleed to death. Nathaniel went to India. He preached the gospel, was beaten with rods, and then he was beheaded. Uh, James was beaten and taken to the top of the temple and pushed off 220 feet to his death. Thomas was pierced with a spear, then burned at the stake. John was the only one to die a natural death, but he was boiled with oil, he survived that, and he was exiled to a concentration camp out in the middle of the Aegean, a little rocky island called Patmos. In the last century, in the last century, more people were persecuted for their faith in the 19 centuries prior to that combined. Over 100 million Christians in 65 countries today are enduring persecution for Jesus Christ. They are being killed. There are young girls and women that are being raped because of their belief in Jesus. Their property is being confiscated. They are being tortured. They are being imprisoned all for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because you and I got up this morning, had a cup of coffee, drove to this place of worship, or decided to stay in bed today, no one throwing rocks at our house, our cars, or our family, this is still happening to believers all around the world this morning. All of this is a word to us today that Jesus wants us to understand and wants us to lean in to listen, to remember, and to give thought to as Christians in this nation. So he tells us this, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Go with me to John 15 and verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Don't, don't pass over that. If you love the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. 
Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and the Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law, they hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16. All this I've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. What Jesus wants us to understand is that our relationship with him may cost us. Following Jesus may cost us ridicule, may cost us loss, imprisonment, and it may cost us death. That's why we are called to pick up our cross and follow him. If you believe that, say amen. We're going to answer two questions that stand out inside of this passage today if you're taking notes. First, why will we be persecuted. Jesus tells us why, and then he's going to tell us how we should respond inside of persecution. So why will we be persecuted? There's four reasons I want to give out of this passage. The first one, the world hates Jesus. If the world hates you, and you got to understand, Jesus said, they're going to hate me, and they're going to hate you you got to understand that we're talking about the world. He said the world. What is he talking about? The cosmos. He's talking about the cosmos. That is the, the worldly systems. That's the word he's using here. We're talking about the entertaining, the entertainment, the, the government. Think of this. What other religion founder does the world make fun of? Jesus' name is taken in vain repeatedly. You don't hear people say, oh, Buddha right? You don't hear that. Or, 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 or Krishna or, or Vishnu or any other God, but why Jesus? Because he is the one true God and they hated him. They despise everything about him and they can't stand the truth of the Christian message. Uh, what did he ever do to harm you? What did he ever do to harm humanity? Isn't he the one who, who loved this world and he laid down his life? Why the abuse? Because the world system is energized by the devil. And he hates everything that has to do with that and all that is connected to Christ Jesus and to the Father in heaven. So the world is going to hate the followers of Christ because it hated Jesus. Number two, will be persecuted because we are not of the world. That's what it says in verse 19. If you love the world, the world loves you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. That's what he says. Why? You're not part of their system. That's why they will hate you. They don't like you. They don't care about you because why? They're, you're a part of the, uh, the, the Lord's government, the kingdom of God. You don't share their values. You don't share their humor. You don't share their entertainment. Just the opposite. You oppose it. And because you oppose it, you live your life that brings conviction upon their life because you stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Why? They have traded light for darkness, but you have traded darkness for light. Amen? When you believe there is truth, that truth isn't just relative, but when you love Christ, the world cannot stand that. If you've bought though into the world system, you have to understand that the world says nothing to you because you are part of its own. Jesus is saying when you stand to live for him, it means you stand against the world and all of its corruptness. When, when the world sees it, they will oppose you for living for the Lord. Third, you're going to be persecuted because you've identified with Jesus. That's what verse 20 says. Remember, I said to you, a servant's no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So if, if they keep my word, they will keep yours, which is to say there are people that will hear the gospel. There are people that will be influenced in a positive way. They will watch and will be convicted and desire to know Jesus Christ in a way that you know Jesus. But there will also be people that no matter what you do and no matter how kind you are, they will hate you. Paul even says in Galatians, he was beaten with rods from the Jews, and he says, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Why? Because he identified with Christ that every time he was beaten and persecuted, he identified with Jesus. Listen, in our world of comfort and consumerism, where we seek above all things that there is a struggle for Christians to truly identify with Paul on this level where he even says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. You and I cannot know Christ unless we are sharing in his sufferings. Amen? It is then we find true resurrection power inside of Jesus. So the closer we identify ourselves with, with Christ, the more that we are going to be persecuted. Are we prepared to do that? I'm not so sure in America we are, but I am telling you this as a warning. This is already happening, and this is coming more so to America than ever before. And if you are blinded to that, just turn on your TVs, listen to your radios, and get into the word of the Lord in this day to understand what is coming to the body of Christ. It is time for the body of Christ to be aware of what is taking place. The fourth reason, we will be persecuted because the world doesn't know Jesus. That's what he says in 21. They will treat you this way because they do not know the one who sent me. Chapter 16 and 3. They will do such things because they do not know the Father or me. They don't know him. I mean, have you ever told someone that thinks they know God, you don't know him? They will get angry with you very quickly. <laughs> you know, have you? Right? Because what happens is clearly, though, you see in their life, they are living an unbiblical life. They will be enraged, the ones who don't believe the Bible is true but profess to know Jesus, who don't believe in the virgin birth or the sanctity of marriage between a man or woman. When you do that, you will be considered the bigot of all bigots. He says they will persecute you. Verse 25 says, 
that in the law they hated me without reason. They didn't even have a reason, but they hated him. All those who live a godly life will be persecuted. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13, 13, 12, excuse me, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to what? Test you. So as though something strange were happening to you. He wants you to understand, hey, don't let it catch you off guard when there is a fiery trial coming into your life, even in the form of persecution. Why? Because that has come to test you in your faith and your walk in Jesus in this day. Don't think that it's strange that it's happening to you. When you say in our culture that there, uh, there's a right that's right and there's a wrong that's wrong, and when you do that boldly in love, people are not going to like you or care about you. To stand for the gospel will cost you. So please give thought to this today. There are many Christians that will not take part of the things of Christ and serve the Lord with their whole heart because they don't want to get into the battle because they know that it will cost them because there's a high target upon their back. Are you with me, church? There are many people today as Christians, professing Christians, that don't want to get in the heat of the battle because they know the target is great. But Jesus said, when you get into the heart of the battle, when you get in that with me, there will be a target upon your back. But there's promises that he says that I have, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Following Jesus in the days ahead will require a greater sacrifice than much of the body of Christ is living today. I want to say that again. I want to say it again. Following Jesus in the days ahead will require a greater sacrifice than much of the body of Christ is living today. Many are afraid to come out of their homes today for whatever reason and come to church. There are believers in other countries. If they come out of their house today and they go to a church, they will most likely be beheaded in other countries. Why we in America sit in our consumerism and our safety and we are okay with it. Are you with me, church? Don't get quiet on me this morning. We are so busy as American believers trying to preserve our lives. I don't know if you've read the same word as me, but you and I cannot preserve our life. Jesus is the one that saves us. Jesus is the one we live for or not. So we must make a decision in this day. We are so busy trying to preserve our lives at the expense of living a fearful, anemic Christianity. God help the church of America. How should we respond to persecution? How should we? He gives us four things that I want you to see today. First, we should rely on the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The good news is this. You and I are not alone because we have an advocate when we know Jesus that he will come alongside of you who will be your defender and we will never ever be alone in persecution. Historical witnesses say that when Polycarp, that is John's immediate disciple, was led into the arena to die and the proconsul said to him, curse Christ and then I will release you. And Polycarp said, 86 years I have served God. He has never done me wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? 
and it is written, there was a loud voice from heaven that said, stand strong and show yourself a man, Polycarp. And all who were in the arena heard the voice. It was our living God that let Polycarp know you are not alone in your persecution. You are not alone in the battle, but I am here with you now. And I am your defender in this day. Hallelujah. Know this, you've got a helper. You've got God speaking through you. I want to let our young people know in every generation there is a unique challenge. And if the Lord doesn't come back in your lifetime, you will navigate it with wisdom. You will have discernment. You will have boldness. And you will never, ever be alone because the best is yet to come. Don't shrink back. Another response, we should keep sharing the truth. Jesus doesn't say they're going to make fun of you, so just keep quiet. The persecution is going to be an opportunity for you to share the gospel. And he says, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. They will persecute you, but you will have the answer. He says, it's an opportunity in that moment to share the good news of Christ. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John stood up and preached, and the Jewish court is stunned, the Bible says, by their logic and their ability to articulate. It stunned them because these were ordinary men. They took note that they had been with Jesus. God's given you a voice to speak to your generation, to your workplace, and your family. Can I say that again? Yes, God's given you a voice to speak to your generation. Are you using your voice to speak to your generation, church? Amen. I love you. This is a pretty strong word today. Can you handle it? I mean it. Some people can't handle this word, but this is where we're at in the gospel of John. These are straight words and straight truth from the gospel. And some people don't want to hear the gospel, but this is the gospel. He says, don't miss the opportunity because in the midst of the persecution, you're going to have an opportunity to use your voice to speak up for me in that moment. Third, we should stand firm. 16.1, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Falling away in the original word is scandalizo, scandal, which is to put something in your way to cause you and I to fall and to trip. That's the word. The enemy is constantly trying to put things in your path and my path every single day to cause us to trip up and to fall, right? Yeah, we're human. Yeah, I do too. I have that. Things in our life that would try to trip you, make you fall, make you feel less than, make you feel shame and guilt. He's constantly doing that. And so he's telling you this. He's saying, listen, I'm telling you that so you won't be shocked when it happens. If you're going to follow me, it may cost you everything. This isn't a message you hear in many Christian circles today because we'd prefer not to talk about it, right? But, but this is the, all the gospel. We're preaching all the book of John. So it's in the gospel, so we've got to talk about it. No one understanding that, accepting that, will help you and I to hold everything we have loosely and to be willing to stand boldly without being shocked. This is part of it. Jesus says, I want you to stand firm. Stand firm in the battle. For we should remember this was predicted, right? He predicted it. I've told you this, verse 4, so that 
When their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. He said, I was with you in person. We can be shocked when, so many times when, when, when people come against us. Like, how did that happen? You know, I, was, I thought I was doing good. I thought I was speaking up for the Lord. And remember, he said, it's going to happen. It's part of following Christ to be willing to say, I will lay down everything if necessary to identify with Jesus. That I will do it. So I want to give you three applications before we bring this to an end today. Three applications for you and me through this passage. And I would just like, would you consider this today? Not in, the, in your own life, but would you consider it in your family? Would you consider it in uh, your workplace? Would you consider it uh, with your group uh, this week? And what is this saying to us? Be bold enough that God is going to do something in someone's life that you know, and you're going to have an opportunity to talk to other people about Jesus. So three applications. Number one, there's a big difference in picking a fight and enduring persecution. How many of you know that? That's, there's a huge difference in, in picking a fight and then enduring persecution. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm not telling anybody to run out of here today and be a martyr for Jesus because we shouldn't go look to be a martyr. We should just be in our daily life living for the Lord and through that, God will bring up opportunities right, for us to stand for him. But there's a big difference in picking the fight and enduring it, uh, the persecution. Some people are unnecessary abrasive. Do you know who they are? Point at them. No, no. I've just, you know, like, I'm just being persecuted. No, you're a jerk. Now shut up. <laughs> Hello? We, we have to say that, right? No, no, no. I, I, you know, I'm just, this is who I am. I'm abrasive. No, you're not. You're a jerk. You're an idiot. Be quiet. You're obnoxious. If we're never persecuted, then maybe we are a coward. The big difference in picking a fight and during persecution. Number two, there's a big difference between living in the world and loving the things of the world. That's what he says. The key to living for Christ is not pull back and live in our own little monastic, coddled lives and block out society. That's not how Jesus called us to live, nor his early disciples. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Life is not a playground, but a battlefield. Amen? It's a battlefield. This is a battle that you and I are called to fight every single day to live for the Lord. Number three, there's a big, dif big difference between running scared and being informed, right? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful, I know Carmen said that earlier today. Yes, that's absolutely right. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid, right? Persecution will get worse and worse as we end, uh, go towards the end of time. Yes, because why? Because Jesus was clear about it. So it will happen. Regardless of our experience and our wars and our natural disasters and the, the lawlessness in our streets, and the lack of godliness in our nation, God's timetable moves forward, and the Bible says that he is able to keep you and I from falling and to present us spotless before his glorious throne, so we are not afraid. Informed, yes. Fearful, no. Amen? Informed, yes. Fearful, no. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if any of you have ever read, uh, read any of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's works, but I would encourage you 
to read. Here is this German man that stood for the Lord, was saved out of a sinful life. Matter of fact, goes far as in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life to try to take out Hitler. Didn't happen, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer, writing from a German concentration camp in a compilation of letters called Letters from Prison, facing sure execution at the hands of the Nazis, wrote this, I believe that God will give us the strength, the strength we need to help us resist in all time of distress, but he never gives it in advance, lest we should rely on ourselves and not on him alone. A faith such as this should allay our fears for the future. Amen. Jesus' words in Matthew 28, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, or your Bible say, maybe end of the world. I'm with you. I'm with you. God is looking for the body of Christ. Please don't be fearful. Please don't be fearful. Informed, yes, fearful, absolutely not in these days. That we maybe don't understand all that's happening. I can't tell you, tell you what's going to happen. I can only tell you who's going to be with us. And he's more than enough. Stand firm. Stand true. Don't be afraid of persecution. Let's be bold in our generation with grace and godliness, witnessing to people around us that they may know the truth and be saved if necessary. If necessary. Lay down all that we have, including our life for him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has another great work. It's called Christianity Without the Cross. And really, I believe it was written for more of the American church that more than ever before, as I look at that work and I've read that work, how he talks about really how we as an American church have really had it really easy. We, we live in a blessed country that today you and I are able to come to this church and not be fearful that our life will be taken from us. That our young daughters, our wives are taken because of this day to be raped and our property to be confiscated. But he tells us in these days, you know what? You, you, you need to be aware of this. You need to be aware of this, church. I, I don't know. I hope the body of Christ is getting this today. I hope you come with all the somberness and the seriousness and being awake and being alert because the enemy is on the prowl. But sometimes we want a Christianity that's wrapped up in our box and beautiful and just how we want it. But that is not what God has promised us in the Word. He says, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. But listen, you need to know that you will be persecuted for my name. You will be. When you stand for the things that are right, when you call right, right, you call wrong, wrong, in the world we live in, I tell you, you will 
You'll pay a price for that. But you have to know in the middle of it that God is with you. And the people that are around you that are watching your life in these days, because the world is watching the church. The world is watching you and me at our workplace, on our campuses, wherever you're at. Will you take a stand for Jesus? Will you do it? Will you make the difference? Will you say, I don't understand all of it, but listen, I know one thing. God is with me. God is for me. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to do the right thing. Lord, I will say what you want me to say, and I will do what you want me to do in these days. Because God, you're more than enough. And that, Lord, we're willing to lay down everything, everything. I don't know about you, but that's pretty sombering. I will lay down everything. Everything? No, everything for Jesus, if we have to. That's the word for today out of John chapter 15 to cause us to think about, to cause us to be reminded that this is the word of the Lord to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know this word is heavy. I know that many in the body of Christ have trouble listening to a word like this because they can't believe that they would potentially have to lay down everything. But God, that's what you've called us to do. Lay it down every day. Lord, that in our comfort many times, that Lord, we think, wow, I can just package you, God, how I want to and live a consumeristic Christian life. But God, that is not the God of the word that Jesus, as you went before us and you gave your life, as they loved you one day, and they shouted, crucify him the next. Lord Jesus, I pray the Lord will be reminded of your word today that tells us you will be with us, and we are not alone, and you are an advocate with us in the battle. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.